Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson. Papa, can you tell me a story? Do you really want me to tell you a story? (laughs) Well, you go get your brother and your sisters and I will tell you a story. Welcome to Devotions with Dr. Papa. Well, gather around, my little chickadees, that we have a story to share with you today. I want to read to you a story from 2 Chronicles chapter 28, and it's an amazing story. In this episode, we're going to read how a king named Ahaz succeeds another king named Jotham in the southern kingdom of Judah. And unfortunately, Ahaz walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Those were the kings in the northern kingdom, the northern kingdom of Israel. And the Bible says that he also made molten images for the Baals. The Baals were the false gods. And he burned incense in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. And he burned his sons in fire, according to the abomination of the nations, whom the Lord had driven out before the sons of Israel. This was the kind of king that Ahaz was. Then the Bible tells us that the Lord his God delivered him into the hand of the king of Aram. And they defeated him and carried him away from him in a great number of captives and brought them to Damascus. And he was also delivered into the hand of the king of Israel, who inflicted him with heavy casualties. For Pekah, P-E-K-A-H, Pekah, the son of Remaliah, slew in Judah 120,000 in one day, all valiant men, because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. Now imagine this, 120,000 valiant warriors killed in battle in a single day. In all of the 10 years of the Vietnamese War, we lost 50,000 thousand American soldiers who died. And yet in a single day in this battle, 120,000 soldiers from the southern kingdom were killed in battle. More than that, it goes on to say that 200,000 women and children were taken away into captivity. You have to understand that when folks were taken away into captivity, they were stripped naked and bare and made to walk barefoot in shame and humiliation. So they were carried away to the northern kingdom, naked, bare, barefoot, along with all the plunder that was taken away from the southern kingdom. And more than that, the Bible tells us that Zikrah, a mighty man of Ephraim, that's the northern kingdom, killed Messiah, the king's son, and Azrikam, the ruler of the house, and Elkanah, the second to the king. So it was a total humiliation. The sons of Israel carried away captive of their brethren 200,000 women, sons and daughters, And they took also a great deal of spoil from them and brought the spoil to Samaria. Samaria is the capital of the northern kingdom. Now get this. This is the point I want you to to grasp from this whole story. But a prophet 
of the Lord was there, whose name was Oded, O-D-E-D, Oded. How many of you have ever heard of Oded? (laughs) And he went out to meet the army which came to Samaria and said to them, Behold, because the Lord, the God of your fathers, was angry with Judah, that's the southern kingdom, He has delivered them into your hand, and you have slain them in a rage, which has even reached heaven. Now you are proposing to subjugate for yourselves the people of Judah and Jerusalem for male and female slaves? Surely do you not have transgressions of your own against the Lord your God? And what he's saying to them is, listen, brothers, these people are your own flesh and blood. The southern kingdom that you have defeated, these are your own people. These are not a pagan people. These are not people from the surrounding nations. This is your own flesh and blood. And you're intending to subjugate them and make them your slaves. And he says, do you not have enough sin already? that now you intend to enslave your own flesh and blood. He goes on to say, Now therefore listen to me and return the captives whom you captured from your brothers, for the burning anger of the Lord is against you. You must understand that this prophet named Oded interposed himself by himself as the man of God between all of these soldiers, these army generals and their soldiers, returning from a victory celebration with all of the captives, all of the spoil, and he stood in the roadway, interposing himself between them and their victory celebration, between them and the spoil, between them and the captives, and he rebuked them in the name of the Lord. Now, keep following now. Then some of the heads of the sons of Ephraim, Azariah, the son of Johanan, Berechiah, the son of Meshelamoth, Jehazekiah, the son of Shalem, and Amasa, the son of Hadlai, arose against those who were coming from the battle and said to them, You must not bring the captives in here, for you are proposing to bring upon us guilt against the Lord, adding to our sins and our guilt. For our guilt is great, so that his burning anger is against Israel. So here are four princes, four nobles. Maybe they were army generals as well. I don't know. It doesn't specify. But these are leading men in the northern kingdom of Israel who also stood up along with Oded the prophet, and they say to an entire army, you must not add guilt. You must not add to our sin, and you cannot bring these captives and all of this spoil home from the battle. It's wrong. And they rebuked them in the name of the Lord, as did Oded the prophet. So here we see a great sin, bringing home captive their own people from the battle. And we see a great loss when the southern kingdom lost 120,000 
thousand men in battle. And then the king's son was killed and 200,000 women and children are taken captive. And then we see a great prophecy when Oded stands up and says to them that he is rebuking them in the name of the Lord. And there is a great interposition when not just the prophet, but these four noblemen, these four princes stand up in the roadway along with the prophet and rebukes the entire army. And then there's a remarkable thing. There's an amazing thing that occurs. There is a remarkable turn of events because in verse 14 of chapter 28, the Bible says that the armed men left the captives and the spoil before these officers and all the assembly. Then the men who were designated by name arose, took the captives, and they clothed all their naked ones from the spoil, and they gave them clothes and sandals, fed them, gave them drink, anointed them with oil, led all their feeble ones on donkeys, and brought them to Jericho, the city of palm trees, to their own brothers. Then they returned to Samaria. What an amazing turn of events. You see, their rejoicing turned to repenting. Their celebration turned to contrition. And this is something that only the Spirit of God could have contrived. But it started with, an, with a prophet of God speaking truth to an entire army. It started with four noblemen, four princes, four rulers in the northern kingdom standing up against the entire army and rebuking them and calling them out in the name of the Lord and saying, brothers, this is not good. This is not right. You cannot take captive your own brothers. You cannot plunder and take spoil from your own family. And you must send them back. And the Spirit of God brought a heavy conviction upon the entire leadership, upon the entire army, and they repented and they sent them back. They closed, clothed those who were naked. They put sandals on their feet. They anointed their wounds with oil. They put the ones who were feeble on donkeys and they led them all the way back to Jericho, which was in the southern kingdom. You see, there was also great fruit. You see, the Bible tells us that we should always, along with genuine repentance, bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. Always gentle, genuine repentance manifests itself with a genuine demonstration of that repentance. It always brings forth fruit in keeping with repentance. That was true for them in that day, and it's true for you and me in our day. Now, let me ask you another question. Is this the only example in the Bible of an interposition where a prophet stood between people who intended to do wrong and rebuked them and led them to do what was right, where princes and noblemen stood up between a king who was acting like a tyrant to protect someone who was lesser in authority. 
Well, no, that's not the only example. Think about Saul and Jonathan. You remember in the book of Samuel where there was a battle raging and Saul very foolishly charged his entire army that they should not eat at all throughout the entire day until the enemy was vanquished. And unfortunately, his son Jonathan did not hear this command from his father. And during the battle, he saw honey in the forest and he reached out the end of his his spear and he took the honey. He tasted of it. He was uh, invigorated. The Bible says his eyes brightened and he led the army to further victory. Well, then later in the day, there was a, uh, they had to cast lots because it was obvious that someone had disobeyed the king's edict and the lot fell to Saul and Jonathan. They cast the lots again and the lot fell to Jonathan. And King Saul said, tell me, son, what have you done? And he admitted that he had eaten the honey. And King Saul said, then you must die. And then the generals and the army stood up and they interposed themselves between the king in his foolish anger and Jonathan, his son, saying that a great victory has occurred today and no harm should befall the son. You see, they interposed themselves between a a foolish king and his innocent son. Well, think about Daniel. You know the story about Daniel how the wicked king erected a big 90-foot-tall golden statue of himself. And the wicked nobleman in the kingdom made him create an edict that everyone in the kingdom should bow down and worship this 90-foot-tall statue. And they did so out of jealousy, out of envy, because they despised Daniel. The Bible tells us that Daniel was one of three governors in the entire provinces under which his king ruled. And the the Bible says that when Daniel knew that the proclamation had been signed, that he immediately went to his home, he opened his windows, and in defiance of the king's proclamation, he kneeled and he prayed three times that day towards Jerusalem, interposing himself between the evil, wicked king's proclamation and all the other people of the kingdom who would also be unwilling to bow the knee to the king's 90-foot tall golden statue. Daniel interposed himself between the wicked king's proclamation and every other person in the kingdom who, like Daniel, would be unwilling to bow the knee to this pagan idol representing the king. Now, you know the story. Daniel ended up going to the lion's den, and God defended and protected him for his willingness to interpose himself between the wicked king's proclamation and the rest of the people in the kingdom. But this is not the only, only story of interposition in the Bible. The most amazing story that represents interposition in the Bible, and you know the story. It's the story when the Lord God himself loved you and me, even though our sins had made a separation 
between you and me and a holy God. For you see, God is holy and his eyes are so holy that he cannot look upon iniquity. And your and my sins have made a separation between us and the holy heavenly Father. And knowing this and at the same time loving you and me and unable to condone sin, the Bible says that Jesus himself became flesh. He became like man, like you and me. And he walked the dusty trails of the Middle East. And he lived a perfect, sinless life, qualifying himself to be God's Passover lamb. And the Bible says that even though you and I had violated God's justice and offended his righteousness, and even though you and I were in deep trouble, and that there was none righteous, no, not one. And that even though your sins have made a deep separation between you and your God, and that the penalty for our sin was death, spiritual death, that God laid on him the iniquity of us all. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. And you see, God interposed. Jesus interposed. In 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 18, the Bible says that Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Did you see what that verse tells you and me? That Christ interposed for you and me? He placed his, his life on the altar. He placed his life on the cross. And he died for sins. You see, it wasn't his sin, because he was the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. He died for sins, your sin, my sin, once for all. The just for the unjust. I was the unjust one. You were the unjust one. And he was the just one. He died the just for the unjust so that he might bring us to God. In his interposition, that divine interposition, he accomplished for you and me what we could not do for ourselves. He brought us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. By the resurrection from the dead, He declared Himself to be the Son of God. He declared Himself to be the spotless, sinless Passover Lamb. What an amazing interposition. You see, these noblemen in this story, Oded the prophet, they interposed themselves between the northern kingdom and all of these captives who were being led away into captivity. And you see, Daniel interposed himself as well between a wicked king and all of the folks in the kingdom who would be unwilling to bow the knee to a graven image. And now Jesus interposed himself 
between you and me who had violated the justice of God and offended the righteousness of God by our sinfulness and our wretchedness. And He paid our penalty. He paid our price. He purchased our redemption. And by His blood, you and I have been washed as white as snow. Dear listener, if you're hearing me today and you have never, ever experienced that life-changing experience that the Bible calls being born again, if you've never been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved Son by calling on Jesus and saying to Him, Lord Jesus, if you don't save me, I'll never be saved. I trust in Your blood and Your blood alone to wash me as white as snow. Then I, I, I plead with you today, Call on the name of Jesus. Trust in the shed blood of Jesus. Cry out to Him today and trust in Him as the one who has interposed for you, purchased your price, paid your price, and purchased your redemption. What an amazing, what an amazing story. Let it be part of your story. You're listening to More Than Medicine. I am your host, Dr. Robert Jackson. And if you like what you hear, I pray that you would like it, follow it, or share it. Encourage your friends and neighbors to listen in. And I pray that God will bless you real good. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.